welcome you to Walker Ministries for those who haven't visited us before we believe in Jew and Gentile one new man and the Messiah being revealed this is a ministry that we normally have once a month which is was birthed out of prayer woman of war but it's not just for a particular gender. That was the initial birthing. Women of war, because women are known to travail. They are known to multitask. We're known to do 101 things at the same time and don't miss a beat. Take the man a little while to work on two tasks, so... <laughs> No shade, as the young kids would say, no shade. <laughs> but um, y'all can have a seat. Wow. Well, just explain a little bit about the woman of war. Like I said, it was birthed out of prayer. And it's to really instruct and to equip and educate us in a fierce battle of the second heaven. Again, it is to equip and train you for a fierce battle in the second heaven. This is not a type of woman ministry to where you come to learn about how to dress and talk and uh, the woman of virtue, the virtuous woman, because we don't have a revelation of really what that is, but that's another day and another time of teaching. So it is to equip and educate us and how to maneuver in a second heaven. That's where the enemy, all forces. So when you pray, you enter a, a sphere to where there's good and there's evil. And you need to know how to discern when you're in the second heaven what you are working against or what's opposing you. Amen. So when it comes to women, we normally are very emotional people. We are easily offended, easily hurt. We're normally driven by emotions. We have been known to be gossipers uh, in the church. Paul says, this is why he even said in the scripture, he said, told the women to wait until they're home, until they ask their husband any question that they had. They weren't allowed to speak in church. And so people have taken that scripture out of context that the woman cannot preach or teach. It was the fact that she was running her mouth so much she was creating a disturbance during service. So wait until you get home to ask your husband any questions. She was known to go from, it says, from house to house creating havoc. But it wasn't a physical house. It was from person to person creating hell in the church. Amen. It was not only women, but it was mankind in the church. All right? It's for you to really get a good biblical understanding and to experience it. And how Satan, how understanding his historical role in darkness and how he works. This is what the woman of war is really all about. For you to be able to understand how he works and how he is a evil genius ruler and he is a 
ancient evil genius ruler. And he has been at the throne room with God before he was cast down. And so he, he definitely knows worship. So he can very easily infiltrate the atmosphere of worship. And you're thinking you're in a pure place of worship, and you're not. So it's to prepare you for the battle, and we're doing that through prayer and humility and obedience to the word of God. And we're breaking all allegiance to the world and its system. We're living a repentant life. Our goal is to know and understand our role in the body of Christ and to apply what we learn in a defensive warfare. This is the war. It's a spiritual war. Don't wait until there's action. You need to be proactive. You don't wait until things get crazy in your life to react to it. You prepare for what is to come. See, we've been on the delay in that. And you're not prepared. You're not conditioned for the fight. You're not conditioned for the warfare that's in your life and through the people of influence that's close to you. Whether they be people at your job or at your, in your home or at your business, you are not ready for this type of warfare. And so you're overtaken by anger and bitterness and malice because you have not prepared in the time of preparation and the word of God. Amen? We are to value, these are things we are to value, these are learning outcome. To rightly divide the word of truth. You are to learn yourself how to rightly divide the word of truth. He said, a workman need not be ashamed because you can't divide what's good and what's not. What is of God and what's not of God. So when I'm teaching, anyone else is teaching or preaching, you should be able to divide and, and scrutinize. You're to scrutinize the word. You're to examine the word of God. We are to become a Berean type of people. And these were the, a certain type of Jews that every time they heard the word of God, they went home daily and they examined the word of God to find the validity of the word of God. Anyone have ever done any research? It takes time, right? This is why we don't examine the word. Because it takes time. People want to be known in positions in the body of Christ. But you won't take time to become a student of the word of God. So you're well prepared to be positioned in the body of Christ. They want to be... Pastors, they want to be part of the fivefold, but they're not willing to become a student first. How can you teach besides first be you become a student? Our learning outcome includes to live in his rest, becoming an effective communicator. You cannot witness to anyone if First of all, if you don't know how to communicate, that's in the natural and also spiritually. Are you called to witness to this woman who is a, who is a sex addict? Are you called to do that? 
Are you called to pray for someone else who's been experiencing that themselves and they have the victory in that area? That wasn't your vice. That was someone else's vice. Effective communicators. This is our learning, some of our learning outcomes. The ability to make the right choices and stick with them. That is when the, one of the highest value of the learning outcome of this part of the Women of War is learning how to make the right choices and sticking with them. It's one thing to, okay, I'm decide to do the right thing, but you don't stick with it. So you digress, and you find yourself never getting past where you were in the very beginning, making the right choice and sticking with it. Our overall goal is also to help the woman to really accomplish a genuine freedom in God, a genuine freedom. Not a pseudo, I'm delivered, but a genuine freedom of any type of bondage, any type of unforgiveness, any bitterness, my past, whatever your situation is, whatever overtakes you besides the word of God. So think about it. What actually overtakes me besides the word of God? Because that becomes your God. It's to help us to to break ourselves away from dysfunctional relationships, from being paralyzed. A lot of us are paralyzed in the spirit. And to help us to be really free from every demonic oppression, depression, sexual perversion, pornography, headaches, financial bondage, the list goes on. These headaches are not natural headaches. These headaches, and it's not just my, my head is aching, you can't think. Yes, you're lethargic. So when you have a migraine, you can't think. The only thing you want to do is lay down, shut yourself in the dark. So when you have a spiritual headache, you digress into darkness. It's a perversion in the spiritual headache because it's a false conception that is comfort. You have a false sense of comfort. This is what goes on with a person who is suicidal or who is a cutter. There's a false sense of comfort of that pain. This is why they cut. This is why they cut. Comfort is a perverted false sense of feeling at ease. All of my worries, all of my pain, but you're inflicting pain. Frustration brings on spiritual onset of these headaches. So what I initially need to do is, first of all, accept people for who they are. That takes out the frustration. Why is she acting like this? Why is he this? I can't understand how I come, blah, 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 you know? Even do that in a marriage, bounce it, and he's still loud. He's a, he's a very excitable person, and then when he gets more excited, he, he gets louder. <laughs> so, and I'm more, unless, you know, I'm praising God, and I'm real loud, but if I'm not praising God... <laughs> I, you know, I'm more when I'm talking. Even when I'm angry, I, I tend to even get, my voice tone even gets lower. So that's very dangerous. <laughs> so you don't know where that person is, what they're going to do. Because they, you know, their volume's not even fluctuating. So what I had to learn to do just to take out the frustration, even like I said, in your relationship, is just that I had to accept that my husband is loud. <laughs> He's... He's very expressive when it comes to things. And uh, I'm not, and certain things that's important to one person is not important to others. They, they hold great value. 
And, and you know, what I think is important, he doesn't. So we have to learn to accept people the way that they are. It takes out the frustration. Amen? It takes out the onset of a spiritual headache that ends up leading to the natural headaches, these migraines, and, and then you are digressing to darkness, a, a form of a, a pseudo-comfort. I'm shaking my head because fear sends a difficult concept to accept people the way they are. Continue. You stand in the gap and praying for what is not to be to be. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm not praying to state what my what my natural eye currently see. I'm not praying that. I'm praying the way it's supposed to be aligned to the word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Every time that we digress back to the Lord nature, that is your frustration. That's when your joy is taken away. That's when I can't stand you. And it reminds me again, why did I marry you? Why are you my friend? Why, why am I even hanging around you? You know, all these different things that when you divert back to that Lord nature, because there's no good in you, and you see no good with your natural eye. But with the inner man, you see the way God sees, the end result. Amen? Because if he saw you, in, first of all, he can't deal with you in your sin. He has to see you through his son. And you have to see these people, whoever they may be, in a place of completion. Seminar, a place of completion, because if not, your heart going to be disheartened, you're going to be dismayed, heartache, okay. can't pray effectively for you because I'm disheartened, all right? <laughs> so let's talk about the matter of the heart, the matter of the heart. This kind of came out through a question I asked Holy Spirit. What's going on with your people? He said, they, they don't love me. They don't trust me. I said, well, what do we do about that? What is the answer? He said, it's the matter of their heart. Why they don't love me and they don't trust me. We say God is good. And we repeat all the time. But is he good? Is he good when things are bad in your life, when things are not going well? We can't get a praise out you then. It's the matter of the heart because in your heart, he is no longer good. The heart in the Greek is cardia. It is listed a thousand times throughout the Bible. It's the physical and emotional and intellectual and moral activities the heart is. It's the physical, the heart is physical, and it's the emotional and the intellectual and it's the moral activities that goes on 
and what's called the heart. It's considered to be a place that's inaccessible, can't get to. The heart is considered to be a place inaccessible, can't get to. The heart is the great vital spring of the soul, fountain of actions, center of principles, the seat of motives. And all of us have a heart problem. Everyone last night should came rushing to the altar saying, I need to be refilled. You know why? Because we all have a heart problem. We should have rushed the altar. I stood there and I said, Lord God, but, you know, after we were, you know, praying for various people, and I said, God, I, my message is my message. He talked to me. I mean, come on with the riddles. I mean, can you just talk plainly? <laughs> he said, my message is my message. You have a heart problem. Because we all do. I have an answer to the heart problem. Let's dis discuss the, the heart. Oh, man, I really want you guys to kind of think about. Little lady, you're going to have an exercise. And I want you to assess your heart. Um, I'll... I'll a few people who would volunteer and share with me their assessment. And we're going to do that today. All right? Okay, but that will be towards the end. And for the ones who have to leave early, I still want you to assess your heart. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Amen? The word actually states, from, for, from within, that is, out of the hearts of men come base and wicked thoughts. Sexual immorality, stealing, murder, adultery, coveting, a greedy desire for more wealth, dangerous and destructive wickedness, deceit, unrestrained and decent conduct, an evil eye, envy, slander, evil speaking, malicious misrepresentation, abusiveness, pride, the sin of an uplifted heart against God, foolishness. Folly, lack of sense, recklessness, thoughtlessness. That's a lot going on in that heart. Yes, it is. I got it. I'm had to get it for you because I, I, I kind of paraphrase. I'm, I'll get it for you before we leave here because it's a verse 22. <laughs> I was up four o'clock. I went to bed at four o'clock. So. But I'll get that for you. And really, Jeremiah 17, 9, which is foundation scripture, really is saying the same thing. But this is kind of me paraphrasing in that. <laughs> yeah, I kind of paraphrase that. So I really want to say that again. It's, it's greedy desire to have more wealth, meaning that you cannot have enough of anything. You just greedy with everything, not just food. You greedy with everything. Can't have enough of nothing. That's the flesh. Nothing can satisfy it. Nothing can satisfy your flesh. The more you get, the more you want to get, the more you want to get. 
He said, malicious misrepresentation. You misrepresent God. Now, uplift their heart against God and man. Bunch of foolishness, he says. Recklessness. Alvin, you can read Jeremiah 17, 9, amplified for us. The heart is deceitful above all things, and it is exceedingly perverse and corrupt and severely mortally sick. Who can know it, perceive, understand, be acquainted with his own heart and mind? Have we read this scripture? Did you know that this is what you have inside of you? Did you know that you have inside of you what is considered to be deceitful above all things? He said there's nothing else in this world, in this world that is a, more deceitful than your heart. Then it goes on to say it's exceedingly perverse, corrupt, and severely mortally sick. Who can know it? He said, you don't know your own heart. You don't even know your own heart. So let's break this down. This is how you study, right? You take one verse like that, a couple of verses here, one verse, and it says, above all things deceitful. What is he saying here? He's saying that you can't trust it. false and deceitful because it's natural. It, it blinds our perception of good and evil. It's nature. The nature of the heart is to blind you from what's good and what's evil. The very nature of your heart. This is why it's above all things deceitful. Its nature is to Hide from you what's good and what's evil. You cannot discern with your natural heart what's good for you. You can't even make, this is why he said, it's your reasonable service that you give your body. He said, Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, that you give up your body as a living sacrifice. He said, this is your reasonable service. He said, this makes sense. That you give up your body, your mind, your soul as a sacrifice. It's because if not, you cannot discern what's good and what's evil. The choices that you make are all insane. This is how you make bad choices. It's because you made it with a natural heart. It's because you can't discern what's good or what's evil. Because it has been blinded to you. As smart as we think we are, you operate with your natural heart, you're making a very destructive choice. He says it's morally sick, wicked. He says what he's saying here is that it's an incurable disease, morally sick. It cannot be cured. It's no, it's no antidote for it. But it is. All right. 
He said, wickedness is, of course, implied here, but it's not regarded as really the heart being wicked. It is what happens after you make the choice that's in your heart. It's not the choice itself. It's after what happens when you make the choice. Because this now takes your spirit. <laughs> Desperately wicked. We're going to have this recorded for you, Star. Desperately wicked. What does that mean? In Hebrew, it means this. It is past all hope. The natural heart is past all hope. That's what it means in the, in the Hebrew uh, reading here. He said, who can know it? We can't, but the Lord can. And this is what the Lord has to say about it. He says, I search the heart. He said, I am perfectly acquainted with it. And with all the wickedness that lodges in it, all of its thoughts and counsels and designs, however secret, all of its intense affection and determination lies open to my inspection. And my pierced eye penetrates into the, to the most inward part of the recesses of the heart. He said, I try the reins of the heart to pass a true judgment on what I discern and give to everything therein its true character and due weight. He said, only I can know the heart. So we are to say, Lord, examine my heart. You examine my heart. You try my heart. Amen? We cannot properly know how to examine our own heart. I want to sit back and reflect and see what's been going on in my heart. You can't. Because he said, who can know it? Imagine that if you don't know your heart, and this is the place, it's the center of man, because the heart is considered also to be the spirit of man. And man is a spirit. He's not his flesh. You're not your body. You are a spirit. If that is the center of who you are, how do you really live? And you don't know your heart. He said, you can't even, you don't know it, but I do. How are you living not knowing the center of who you are? How do you make decisions not knowing who you are? He said, only I pass true judgment and the very secret and intention of your heart. Your heart is so deceitful, it withholds things from you. <laughs> that you stuff come out when you're in a conversation, like, where did that just come from? It was hidden in the deep chambers of your heart. So our supporting scripture here is Proverbs 4.23. Now you read that for me, please. Keep and guard your heart with all vi vigilance, mm -hmm. and above all that you guard, 
for out of it flow the springs of life. This is another familiar scripture, right? Raise a hand. Just, just come on. I need you to be with me. Engage. Right? Majority of people. You've heard this, right? So how have you been guarding your heart? What does guard mean? What does um, vigilance mean? What does that mean? You got keep constantly. We have to protect. Yes. Keep watch. He said, watch. Watch. Watch over what tries to enter in. Care for. He said, take. He, he said, take vigilant care of what tries to enter the heart. Be on post as a guard on what is trying to enter your heart. He said, there should be something within you that's, that never is off duty. And that's your spirit that's guarding or should be guarding your heart. He said, because out of it flows the issues of life. He said, everything that is deceitful and corrupt and that lies and murder and malicious, he said, that's inside of you. He said, who could know the deceitful and the sin and the corruption that is held in your hearts? All of us. This is why you should never say, I'm good, I need prayer. Oh, yes, we all do. Come on up. My heart, I, I've been trying to guard it this week, but, you know, some stuff probably got in because I, I wasn't on post. Because I was offended. I got upset. And I didn't immediately deal with, because the word of God says that, Anything that's trying to exalt itself above the word of God, we are to immediately take into captivity. I don't wait till tomorrow. I do it immediately because I'm guarding my heart. You can enter in bitterness. Strife, you, can enter, you cannot enter in. Envy, you cannot enter in. Jealousy, self-pity, you can enter in, which brings in depression, self-pity. That's a sin of pride, too. Self-pity is another form. It, it covers itself up or betrays itself as self-pity, but it's pride. And the word of God says, I set myself in battle array against the proud. The war with me. Uh, all these excuses why I can't get it right. Uh, I've been trying, and, and Lord, you know I've been trying. I've been doing, what do I try next? Did you ever really try him? I tried, right. I tried, Master. <laughs> we got to say, Spirit, the, the blurred out and shout out Spirit in the middle of a message. <laughs> he says, so he says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and all above all things. He said, guard it for out of it flows the Spirit of life. And so we're, we're at, um, where are we? Because <laughs> I was somewhere else. He says that basically what's in the heart here is that the mind itself is a, it, it has, it takes a hold of vanity. The, 
the understanding, you understand an error. He said, your will is perverted. Your conscience is, is, is not clear to guilt. And you have affection for being out of control. You have affections for being out of control. You have affection and love for being out of control. Yeah. He said, you set on evil objects, the thoughts from being employed on bad subjects, the whole from falling into the hands of the evil, the enemy, or being the possession of Satan. So what happens is this. Because your, your heart is set on evil things, you open yourself up to be oppressed for those who are believers, but those who are not would be possessed by the enemy. So this is why you guard in your heart. This is why you guard in it. He said, you are to guard your heart with a strict eye to be kept on it. This is what guard means. You are to keep guard your heart with a strict eye that nothing harmful enter in or evil comes out of it with a strict eye. What did I just say? Wait a minute, that, that wasn't pure. That wasn't lovely. That wasn't of God. Now I got to get this out. Immediately get this out. Because if you don't immediately get it out, what happens is that you create an entrance for the enemy to come in. And when he gets in, his objective is not just to get in, but he wants to enter into a deep chamber of your heart, then possess your heart. He don't just want to enter in. He wants to take control of your heart. So then he seizes you. It's hard to forgive now. Because what happened was you didn't take captive that thought. Immediately apply the word of God. Because you didn't immediately apply the word of God. He found an entrance. And now on the entrance, he goes in to a deep chamber. This is why it says that the heart is an unaccessible place that you can't get to. So you yourself can't even get to that place that he has now gotten to. Because it's now hidden from you. And you got to go on the fast. And I need all these scriptures. And I got to do all these different things. When he says, with all due diligence, guard your heart with a strict eye. Yes. <laughs> he says, and do this by prayer. By hearing the word, reading, meditating, above all, by applying Christ for his grace and spirit to sanctify and to preserve and keep you. So when I'm praying, see, but this don't mean anything because I'm praying, I'm praying nothing happened, I'm reading nothing happened. Uh, but you know why nothing's happened? Because you're not now conceiving the word. You're, you're hearing the word, but you're not conceiving the word because your heart itself, before we begin to pray, we have to say, Lord God, perfect me in your will. Perfect me in your will. He said, above all, keeping that heart. What does he mean, above all, keeping your heart? What he means is simply this, is that you keep a lot of other things with keeping your family, making sure they're good, right? Because you're what you love, your family. You're keeping all things when it comes to the bills and finances and making sure you, you know, you want to save something. I'm keeping them, keeping, making sure my account right and making sure things right. 
thing. But the most valuable, you won't keep right. What's most valued, you will not guard. But you're guarding your family because you're just such a great mom and dad. <laughs> and don't nobody talk about my bestie, my best friend. I'm guarding my friend. But you won't do what is most valuable is to guard your heart. So that's what you mean by above all, above all these other things. Above your, above your towns, your city, your treasure, things that you treasure. Above all of your treasures, treasure what's most valuable, your heart. Because the heart is the first to live and it's the last thing to die. Medically. First to live and the last to die. Acts 28, 27. I just want to share this with you here. It says, for the heart, the understanding, the soul of this people has grown dull, stupid, hardened, callous, and their ears are heavy and hard of hearing, and they have shut tight their eyes so that they may not perceive and have knowledge and become acquainted with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their souls, and turn to me and be converted, that I may heal them. Again, that's Acts 28, 27. It says, for the heart, the heart is the place that where you understand. The heart is the place where you learn. It's the center of man. But he's saying here, we as a people have grown very dull in our understanding, in our hearing, and in our seeing. We can't see. We can't hear anymore. And it's simply because of sin. Because of our doubt. Doubt is sin. We don't have to go to the, you know, the, the obvious sin, the sensual sin. We only need to talk about, talk about just your attitude of your heart. Your heart can have an attitude. Your heart is a place where you think. You think in your heart. You have motives in your heart. You decide in your heart. You make these decisions in your heart. And about people. And about yourself. You start to decide in your heart. You start to think in your heart who the world and your parents, society said that you are or who you're not. And you become what you're thinking. And you not only are thinking it, you're saying it. And you shall have what you say. You need to start to think differently. But you can't think differently with an old heart. The fallen nature of man it has to be the new nature. This type of heart calls us stupid. I didn't know you were sitting here. 
know it sounds kind of harsh, sound like my language, but <laughs> didn't say it, didn't say it. And stupid, what does that really mean? What does stupid mean? And I say, you're stupid. Without sense? What's the greater understanding of stupid? Because you're not, you're not ignorant. And you says you're without knowledge. No, you're stupid. When you have knowledge of it, you don't apply the knowledge. You are stupid. And this is what the heart, the heart makes you do that. The heart makes you do some stupid things. Now, come on, can't we list some stupid things we've done? And your heart made you do it. The fallen nature. I mean some shameful, outrageous things. Beyond ungodly, that was just, just why. You, you want to ask yourself, just why? Just why did I do that? Wow. It means that you have knowledge of and you won't do what is good. You have knowledge of what is, is good for your life, Al, and the right things to do. You have knowledge of that. That's one thing to say, okay, now, for you to, let's say, uh, an investment of $100,000. Who would not want to just have that investment? I'll tell you how to get $100,000. I'm giving you knowledge to obtain that. But for whatever reason, you just want to keep, I've already given you knowledge of that, but for whatever reason, you decide that you're just going to keep praying that $100,000 has come to you. I've given you the knowledge that now you have to apply the works with your faith. So you're stupid if you don't take the knowledge. Because you have it to now to receive the investment of the hundred thousand dollars. So it's like you know what to do that's right, but because of your evil, corrupted heart, it causes you when you when you rely and lean on your own understanding. That's why he said, "Don't rely and lean to your own understanding, but towards Him. Rely and lean and trust on God." But when you rely and trust and lean on yourself, you are stupid. It's a harsh word, but that's what it is. Because you know better. It's like you know better, but you won't do better. And you keep getting the same outcome, but you're praying for a different result. I don't know. Is that a smart thing? Tell me. Give me another word. Then stupid. Okay. I'm just saying. Right, you know, I could stay there for a while. When your heart is really, when you comply to the word of God, it heals you. When you come, uh huh? Hmm? Uh huh? Amen. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, you, you and the spirit, we just did that together. See how we did that? Killing. <laughs> it's because it brings life and it brings healing. Meaning it brings life, meaning it brings purpose. This is why people feel like they don't have no purpose. 
So we, do I go back to school? I'm going to school. What did I do? Do I do a, uh, do a business? What kind of business? And we're trying to find a purpose. And there's no purpose outside of the word of God. You're going to find your purpose in the word. During your journey of ministry, you're going to find your purpose. You're going to find your, pro- matter of fact, prosperity is going to find you. Amen. You don't have to go and find prosperity. It's going to find you. It's going to overtake you. Because you're on the journey. He said, seek my kingdom and all these things will be added unto you. All these things. What I want. What I think I need. My desires. All of these things are going to overtake you. You don't have to go and find prosperity. You don't have to shout for it. You got to pray for it. It's going to come and find and overtake you. Amen. Spiritually and naturally. Because we need prosperity. We need, we need to prosper in the spirit of God first. Amen. Prosper in the things of God so you can be healthy, whole overall. God does a work in our heart. And how he does this work to create in us now a new heart is that he tests our heart. Uh, Obviously, that's why he did the whole thing with Job and all what was going on in the very beginning. And so he, when he does, he tests our heart. He begins to feel into our hearts new ideals that you've never had before, new wisdom you've never had, new desires, because your old desires were of this world. You can have kingdom desires. I was... Um, in an interview of recruiting uh, for a writer position at a job, uh, this young lady asked me, she said, uh, do, you, do you like your job? I said, you know, you have any questions? And she said, yeah. Um, you know, she's very excited about the position. She, this is what she wants to do, I guess, one day, be a director of marketing, communication, whatever, and PR. And she says, do you, do you like your job? I said, that's a very complex question for me. That's because my passion is ministry. That's what I love. I said, so I, I don't hate my job. I said, it's a, it's a source of wage for me. It's what's called work. I said, um, I am blessed to say that I don't hate my boss and the people I work with and I can't stand anybody. I, just, I want out. That's not, that's not my story. My story is that I'm, I'm very blessed to be in an environment to where I am somewhat my own boss, and I do have a good relationship with my supervisor, and even the indifference of the leadership. But because I, um, and I told Pastor, because I was a man, I said, um, my passion for the ministry, for the kingdom of God, has, has caused me to be now indifferent to my place of employment. And that's not right. That's not balanced. Because right now, I still need to work. So I don't need to be indifferent at my place of employment. So what happens is that when you're indifferent is that my, cre- my creative abilities have been stagnated. My, uh, my energy, when you're in marketing, you have to be full of energy, quick on your feet, quick thinker, all these things. So I'm like, I'm, I, I'm here, but I'm not here, and that's not, that's not right. Because the Word of God said, render season what's his, and and I, I have a responsibility and, and my role there. And I need to give them my, my 
all, my 100% why I'm there. Because everything you do, do wholeheartedly unto the Lord. Everything. Because it's, it exemplifies who you are in the kingdom. And no matter how, you know, you may look at your job or, you know, maybe it's great or not great, but do it wholeheartedly unto the Lord. So my, my response is that I, my desires has changed. And when you, when you really begin to really seek the kingdom of God, Things of this world become, it almost like dissipate. It's, they have no significance. And then I had to bring this. I always appropriate time to clap. And, and it, I had no, I, I'm like, it had no weight. It had no importance to me. But for us, this is why we are so frustrated in life is that our job and, you know, our bills and this and that and even our children's future and all these different things that we're trying to control it and be a part of in our own life. And he says, give everything over to him. Everything. It's too much for you. It's impossible for you to do it. So your love for when you start to really experience, I said really experience, an intimate relationship with the kingdom of God. <laughs> Hallelujah. An intimate relationship with the kingdom of God. You wake up expecting to hear from him. I mean, you expecting a move of God. I'm expecting someone to walk up and bless me. I'm just expecting a kingdom move every day. A kingdom move. I don't care how it looks. I don't care how it feels. I'm expecting the kingdom to manifest itself. Amen. But that's as you get closer to God, that the things about your life and, and what I'm going to do. He said, don't worry about you know, how you're going to clothe yourself and, and how, what, what, what I'm going to eat. He said, he said, now the birds don't even worry about that. And I'm taking care of them. Why are you so concerned about your everyday need? This is why you can't fulfill the need of the kingdom. It's a unspeakable joy when you come into a place. I was telling, I'm um, going back to the conversation I was having with Pastor. I was telling about how I was feeling about my job, and he was like, "You know, you know, that's not right." Oh. <laughs> he said, um, "You need to really change your perspective about that." And I immediately did that. I prayed. I said, I said, Lord, not like I hate my job. I don't hate it. I said, but help me to enjoy what I'm doing again. I can enjoy it, but it doesn't have to be my life because my life is the kingdom of God and the ministry. And I'm taking less than 24 hours. I, I was able to have a newfound joy for the, the type of work that I do. And energy came with that. Pastor, you have something to say? Right. Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. The environment is, is great, and uh, God has uh, really... A lot, a lot of opportunity for excellent networking. And uh, with the travel, I meet a lot of different people across the world. And networking resources are very valuable um, thing to have. People, people are resources. 
people our prosperity. You're not looking for money. You're not looking for an investment. But if you are looking for investment, you invest in people. Amen. Invest in people because they're going to continue to. Now, you're going to reap something from investing in people because the word of God says, I've given you men for thee and people for your life. He didn't say, I, I've given you all this wealth and get to this and do this and do that. He said, I've given you men for thee and people for your life. You can't get to your purpose and destiny for people. You need people. You need men for thee, men for where you're going, your future, your destiny, Berta. You, you just need a contact, Adam. You need a contact, a connection, a divine connection, Mom. With men for thee and people for your life. And when you connect with them, because a certain season, they're not always going to be there. Take advantage while they're there. Amen. I've told people who I've mentored, is that I won't always be here and I'm not always available because then I have to move on to the next person that needs to be mentored. And so this is why you have to take heed to the, to, to the counseling and the sessions of, of the word of wisdom and insight because that person is not always going to be available. Take heed to what God has given you, the gift with our people. Amen. Value and respect and honor people. And that honor and respect will return back to you. Okay, that's making me go in a different direction, but it's all the same path. Uh, the activities of the heart is this, emotions. We talked about that's the first thing. The second is intellectual and spiritual functions the heart has. And the third activity of the heart is conscience. Sure, emotions. Intellectual, spiritual functions. The spirit is intellectual. And conscience is the, the third. So the emotional part of the heart function, it holds sorrow, rage, peace. It holds rejoicing, love, selfishness, ambition, Self-ambition, fear of trusting, is held in the heart, pride, a number of things is held in the heart. But the emotional state of the person's heart actually affects the rest of the person. The emotional state of the person's heart, it affects your rest, whether you're at ease or not. Your emotional state of your heart affects your rest. I don't mean your sleep. I mean your state of buzz. Amen. But a cheerful heart is like medicine to the body. But a heart that aches, it crushes the spirit. And when you crush the spirit, you only have the flesh left. The flesh is what's ruling you and responding. And the flesh is a wreck. It is a 
it is a collision ready to happen. A crushed spirit dries up the bones. The intellectual spiritual part of the function of the heart, it, it thinks, it remembers, it reflects, it meditates. So it's not you mentally meditating. It's a spiritual intellect that's going on. It's that the spirit is thinking. The spirit is reflecting. You're just not reading the word of God. Your spirit is reflecting. Your spirit is meditating, not you. See, this is where we, we get to mix up when you read the word of God. Okay, meditate on the word of God. I did this, but I'm not changing. No, because the, this, your spiritual intellect is not what is meditating and what is not reflecting and what's not thinking. What's thinking is the natural part of you, your brain. Your heart is meant and designed to understand. It's designed to discern and to give insight. When you hear the word of God, your heart is designed to tap into what's not there. What, what I'm not hearing. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not onto your own understanding. Well, I need insight into that because naturally it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, naturally, in my situation, if things are going real bad, I what trust in who? <laughs> Financially, nothing in my account. All the bills are due. I'm, my, I'm sick. I can't go to work. I'm, a, I'm in jeopardy of losing my job. Trust in the Lord. And then you say to bring a 10% of my earnings. To who? <laughs> Say it again, because <laughs> I didn't quite hear you clearly. From what do I bring from nothing? This is what you're saying. I have nothing. What do I bring from nothing? I bring my faith, because faith calls what is not, what is nothing to be something. That's what you bring from nothing. You bring your faith. Amen? Wow. The heart allows us to understand God and for us to actually have a spiritual affection for him. The heart allows you to have a spiritual affection for God. The new creation heart. Not that stony heart. We are to learn the word by our hearts. You learn by your heart. The heart functions as a conscience. <laughs> She's second strike, Philina. <laughs> Is me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is it pastor? It's pastor. Isaiah, okay. <laughs> All right, Al, it's your first, right? So we're talking about the heart function as the conscience now. <laughs> it's not me. I'm sorry. All right, baby girl, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. It was coming directly from your area in front of you. Okay, all right. 
So the function of the conscience, it, the heart plans, it makes commitments. You either commit to God or you commit to the world. Your heart decides who and when I'll commit. I'll decide when things look favorable to give. I've committed to condition myself that when things are favorable, that's when I give. That's my commitment. So it decides. It makes decisions for you. It deliberates. In your heart, there is a courtroom session going on. But the word of God says, allow Holy Spirit to be the umpire. Allow him to make the calls. In your heart, you have a lot of self-talk. I'm going to do this. Um, yeah, that sounds about right. Oh, shouldn't I do it? Maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> that seemed like that would be fun. <laughs> oh, I'm not going to go over his house tonight. <laughs> but you can best believe I'm going next weekend. <laughs> Self-talk. I'm going to Vegas. Um, and when I go... I mean, nothing wrong with, you know, playing the slot machines, right? No, it ain't nothing wrong with that. I am going. So what, what God got to do with that? And no, slot machine, ain't a little bit fun to put a few coins in. Self-talk. Talk yourself right up to going to do it, right? <laughs> Have a lot of self-talk. You end up establishing your own religion, your own relationship with yourself. That heart's something else, isn't it? You are your own congregation and the pastor. <laughs> Self-talk. You instructing yourself uh, the word of God, what God is saying and not saying, and then you become the congregation and amen to what you just said. You have no room for God in your heart. Or a shepherd, because you're shepherding yourself with your self-talk. <laughs> See, that's that kind of laughter coming, John. I'm, I'm trying to <laughs> refrain, <laughs> refrain from it. The greatest commandment according to Jesus is love the Lord your God with all your heart. Heard that before. Yeah, yada, yada, yada. I do. I love God. Can't nobody tell me I don't love God. Do you? He said, if you love me, you will obey me. He said, you are my disciples indeed, in your deeds. You're followers of me in your deeds. Not what you've been saying, and not what your friends been saying, and you're agreeing with it because it sounds right. He said, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. He said, in, in a fool's eye, you're wise. You're wise to yourself. You are very wise to yourself. 
You are your own high counsel. You seek yourself out early in the morning. <laughs> and yet, though, I will praise you, Lord. Yay. Yay. I praise myself. Hallelujah. You are good to me. Yes, I am. I'm good to myself. <laughs> I woke myself up. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, we get ready to get ready in, into the car that I have provided because my job is my source. You are not my source, God. That's what we're saying when we don't acknowledge him. We don't glorify him. You start to glorify yourself because you have made yourself your God. So you're wonderful in your eyes and all your choices are right. <laughs> wow, that's deep. We, we, we got a lot going on, don't we? <laughs> Check us out. <laughs> Wow. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. He said with all your emotions, with all your so-called intellect, with all your thoughts, with all your intentions. He said, love the Lord your God. He's your God. That means love the Lord means he's your master. Master, he's your master. You have no life. Your master, this is why you obey your master. You serve your master, not yourself. There's no slave that serves himself. He serves his master. His will, he doesn't have his own will. And I'm just going to use a, um, a old slavery type phrase. A slave would say, this is how one they were with their master. Go to the master, master sick. Master, we sick. Master, we sick. Know why? Because they didn't have their own will. They had the will of their master. This is how close, and that wasn't even spiritual for them. That was natural. Because that was a mindset that I don't have my own mind anymore. When I became a slave to the master, he owned my mind and my body. I couldn't do what I want with my body. He told me when I could eat. He told me when I could rest. He told me when I had to work. The master did. And now you're a bond servant to the Lord. You can't decide when you're going to, I'm going to eat. I'm going to fast. I'm, I'm, I'm going to worship. I'm not going to praise. I don't feel like it. They didn't have a choice whether they were sick in their body or not. They had to serve. Because they were one. And they didn't think any different. You know why? Because the influence of their master. How much does your master, your Lord, the creator of the universe have on you. We talked about sin in one of our teachings, uh, the killing place, is that what does sin, when we sin, what really happens? I think we're okay with sinning because we don't know the effects of sin, what happens when we sin. What position do we put ourselves in when we sin? When we sin, we are 
in a position of creating a revolutionary war with God himself. When you sin, you try to impose to dethrone God when you sin. You're saying everything that he died for, for you, is not true. You're doing what Satan did, a revolt. You, you are rising up against him when you sin. You rise up against the most high God when you sin. And we take it lightly because we have grace. But grace is this. It's the ability to do what you couldn't do. It's not God's grace that, oh, oh he's going to forgive you. No, grace is the ability to do what you couldn't normally do, what you couldn't put down to and what you couldn't say no to. You now have the power to say no and resist sin because you're no longer under control of sin anymore. Sin is not your slave master. You're no longer under the law of sin and death, but the spirit of life in the spirit of God. Mercy is something that's different. Because of his mercy and grace, are you not judged unto damnation? Instead of him judging you, he still loves you and have mercy on you. This is why the word of God says, Every morning you are loaded daily with his benefits of mercy and grace. It's the grace of God and his mercy that he has not judged us for the deeds that are done in his body. But we're okay with it because no one really teaches on sin. Because you know why? The church will be empty. Church will be empty, and you're not gonna get nobody so on that. You know, you, I'm sewing on that. Amen. So be it. No, you're saying you want out. You're trying to figure out when it's gonna be over. Oh, he talking like he perfect or she perfect. Or they ain't no man perfect for God. If you're pursuing what's perfect, you are looking perfect because you're pursuing perfection, which is he. Amen. This is why people say, "Oh, you're holy than thou." No. I'm following thou that is holy. Amen. Amen. I'm following thou that is holy. And because you, because you continue to be a counterfeit and bring shame to my Savior name doesn't mean that I'm not living a holy life because you're not used to seeing what's true and what's pure and what's holy. You're used to seeing what's perverted and twisted in the kingdom of God. God is a God of love, but he's a God of judgment. We have to decide once and for all to worship him with our whole heart, our soul, and to obey everything that's in the instruction of the Torah. We must come to a place in our lives to completely obey and comply and apply every word that's in the Torah, all of the holy instruction on how to live a godly life. And it's not that you're not incapable of doing it because he's given you grace, the ability, the power, the dunamis to walk out this life. Amen. It's not far from you. He said, my word is nigh, even in your mouth. Now speak, frame your life, make a declaration of a holy, righteous, set-apart life. 
and it starts in the heart of man. This is what's matter. This is the matter of man, his heart condition. He says, who can know it? In conclusion, Hebrew 10, 22 states, let us all come forward and draw near with truth. Honest and sincere hearts in unqualified assurance and absolute conviction and um, engendered by faith, by faith, by that leaning of the entire human personality on God and absolute trust and confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness, having our hearts sprinkled and purified from a guilty, evil conscience and our bodies cleansed with pure water, which is the word of God. So he's saying, let us come forward and draw near with a true and honest heart to be qualified in our assurance in trusting God. Apostle Paul says, don't, I don't want to be found to be a castaway after I have preached this word myself. When are we going to really start living for God? When you start allowing that new heart of flesh that has been applied in this new creation to adhere to, respond to, comply to the word of the true and living God is able to change and save your soul, your suitcase. It's able to save your mind. It's able to save you from going out of and living out of your mind, the word is. It's able to keep you from living out of your mind, out of your natural mind, the word can. You can't do it. You've been trying to do it. It's driving you crazy trying to do it. A pure heart. I was, just to sum it all up, I was saying to my woman that it's been, I think we, uh, quite a few have failed a heart test. And we failed it because We've grown indifferent with God. When you don't see things changing or the, the situation looks the same or, or you, 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 you're still dealing with people the way that you see them and not the way that God would see them. This is, this is your frustration. With your family, with, with everyone. This is your frustration and this is the hardening of your heart. But when, you're, you're, when we sin, and sin is this when I doubt, and I walk in any type of unbelief, I cause my heart to be hardened and to be indifferent with God. Meaning now I'm estranged. My relationship is estranged now with God. I'm praying. I'm going through all the rituals. I'm praying. Come to prayer. I'm fasting. I'm reading the word. I'm quoting the word. All of that. But what's not happening is you not spiritually growing because you have hardened your heart? Sin brings that about. Unbelief brings that about. Complaining brings that about. Murmuring brings that about. Excuses, self-pity, all that brings about the heart being hardened. Because what the word comes to do, the word comes to now, uh, calls you to respond to it. The word has a heartbeat.
that we're supposed to respond to. The word has a voice that we're supposed to hear and not, not the old, old fallen nature. That is the, the fallen nature of man. What happened was that when he, he actually received or ate from the forbidden tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and we talk about this, is that he poisoned his entire body. And it caused him to speak different, conduct himself different. But because of Jesus now, then now the second Adam have come to restore you back to your original state. To speak what is not. To live in the world, but not of the world. And you can do that. You can do that. You can have a very successful life, naturally and spiritually. A balanced life. Hold in your mind. Hold in your thinking. There should be no tormenting of the believer. By the adversary, tormenting your mind to where you can't think, you can't pray, you can't advance the kingdom of God. Because the enemy is tormenting you, harassing you, bullying you. And you give in because you, you're tired of fighting. But it's not the ones who are the fastest or the swiftest or the strongest in the race, but it's the one that who endure to the very end, stay in the fight of faith. There is no actual fight besides you believing and declaring what has already been. I beseech you to examine your heart. Assess your heart. And to assess your heart, because you can't do it, as we learn, Holy Spirit, he's the only I know the heart. I know the secret parts of your heart that hides from you, that comes to the surface in a situation or circumstance. And when you're tried, you respond earthly and not from a heavenly perspective. I'm just praying that today that you receive this word that's that Holy Spirit will actually minister to you after you leave this place, is that what area in my heart have I allowed the enemy to come in and infiltrate and now speak for me? He's speaking for you. And you don't know any different because the heart is deceitful. So when I'm praying, I think I'm praying to God, but I'm not because I'm being deceived because the enemy is speaking through me. He's found an entrance and he's entered into the deeper chambers of your heart that you yourself can't even reach. This is why we bring our bodies under, take it to the killing place, the altar of God, the word of God. Allow him to, to cleanse you. Allow him to speak through you again. I pray that you'll be able to hear again. I, I pray the ones that face that scene for the first time that actually that today you walk away with something that your spirit never received before, but you receive it today and not only change your life, but it changed generations that's inside of you. 
those that are already born and yet to be born. What would have happened if someone had went 